NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. This is the House of Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Hockey is more than a game. It's a lifestyle. It's you, the diehard supportive fans, your favorite players who are on the team you cheer for and the organization who supports them. The companies that make your gear, bags, and beer league sweaters. The hockey moms and hockey dads and everything else that makes this house of hockey your home come on in i'm breezy and i'm ray ray and, and this, this is, is our house. house you've heard us talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports and how payday can come every day by entering their contest with huge cash prizes up for grabs this week is jam-packed with action ranging from basketball to golf, and DraftKings has plenty of ways for you to have a front-row seat to all of the action. Making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every night and is simple to do. All you got to do is add your lineup and feel the sweat like never before, and every moment means more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings has paid over $7 billion to users across all sports, and DraftKings is always going to be the leader in daily fantasy sports. There's no better place to get in on all of the action. Now that you know how to play, download DraftKings app and sign up using the code THPN. That's THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN, THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network, to get a free entry with your first deposit only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply and see DraftKings.com for details. What's up, guys? You are listening to the House of Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I am Breezy. And I'm your other co-host, Ray Ray. And this week, we have Kevin Kurz in the house, who is the writer for the San Jose Sharks for The Athletic. So you can only imagine what this episode's about. We're talking about the San Jose Sharks. <laughs> yes, and also the life of a, of a journalist, a hockey journalist, and his career and how he got started and the relationships he builds with players. And he's got some good player stories and stuff like that. Uh, let's just like quick life update for everybody since if, if you're watching on video or have been listening the last couple of weeks, I've been on a cross-country road trip. Um, with Ringo the dog and um, if you're watching on video behind me I also have Alex the dog which is my aunt's dog Um, I'm in her room right now recording this because I haven't you know set up my my recording space yet and I just got here yesterday from when we were filming this and uh, Ringo's getting used to all the new sounds and the snow and the dogs Um, so I'm in Maine and um, we made it and uh the road trip was crazy. So I'll talk about this a little bit if, if you want to hear about it. But we, I, we, me and Ringo, we spent like nine total days of driving over 3,000 miles from Los Angeles to just outside of Portland, Maine. 
we didn't take a direct route because I went to see um, my oldest, longest, dearest friend that I've known since I was two who lives in St. Louis. So I spent a couple days with her and then, um, no, Ringo, you stay here. You're not allowed to go run around. And then I spent a couple days in Nashville with my brother, which is where he lives, uh, to break up the trip in the middle, which was awesome. And Ringo did great. I did fine. (laughs) (laughs) So when we recorded the interview with our guest this week, I was in Nashville. So uh, the background's different and all of that. And life's different again. But uh, Breezy had also requested, because you all know Breezy's Barbecue Pit, she wanted me to go to Martin's Barbecue, which is a famous barbecue spot in Nashville. However, Breezy, it Uh-oh. was closed. No, that's okay. I guess that just means we need to go to Nashville together. And I just need to take you to Martin's Barbecue. Martin's Barbecue is my favorite barbecue place in the entire world. Okay. Well, I just want you to know I tried. And then when we found out it was closed, I was like, well, now I want barbecue so now we have to go get barbecue so we went to adley's which i'd had before and um the brisket was good i I mean i was happy you know any any like soul food when you're traveling across country is is good my favorite thing i saw on the whole road trip was because there's a lot of trucks right a lot of big semi trucks everywhere on every highway and one of them had a plastic scrotum plastic balls (laughs) hanging off the back swinging you know as they do um when they're attached to the bottom of a truck and i and they were pink and i was like this just like made me chuckle and also warmed my heart and i was just like oh i'm on the road and like you know it's only complete like do you remember when there used to be those like half naked stencil women on the truck flaps i'm not yeah like the ones that like were laying with like the foot up or something like that yes yeah yeah. like Uh that was like a quintessential road trip thing that i would see like when i was younger we did a a few road trips but i didn't see any of those yeah i feel like they just are non-existent anymore it was sad. I was like yeah. looking for that and I, and I didn't see it, but I got a ball sack. And so I was great. That's, that's great. You know. <laughs> so did you stay in any fun, crazy place? Did you have, so I'm like a big horror movie junkie as mm. everyone probably already knows by now. And I'm always like, wow, like if you go on a road trip, you're probably going to end up staying in some like wonky places. Like I know, like you don't necessarily want to stay at these places, but you have no choice. Yeah. Do you have like a Norman Bates story or anything like that? <laughs> no, I mean, I did do this on a budget, right? I stayed at yeah. motels, everybody. because, and, and the other challenge was traveling with Ringo. So yeah. not all hotels are dog friendly. And like, I'm not paying to stay at the Ritz, right? Like, because there is no Ritz in Santa Rosa, New Mexico. So, mm-hmm. you know, your options are limited. All in all, there were they were fine. And Ringo, as you've heard in the background of this episode, barks at strangers, you know, stranger danger. <laughs> Thank you, right on cue. At like anybody coming <laughs> up the stairs, he's like, I forgot you were here. And like, so I think he kept like people at bay for sure. Fantastic. I'm glad I was uh, quite worried 
you were this entire time yeah because it's like Why? i've seen a lot of scary movies and um i don't know man i didn't say anything <laughs> to you because i was like i don't want you to be freaking out like no i was what i open i mean even i was a little freaked out i mean i went to big bear last weekend right right and we stayed in this huge house this house on zillow was like a 1.4 million dollar house like it was huge what? it was insane Cause, well, there was, like, a group of us, so we wanted to make sure that, like, we had, like, space. So we are like, I mean, even though we were always grouped together, like, this kind of defeats the purpose. But, like, we wanted to make sure that we were in, like, a bigger area. Right. And um, just the room, yeah, just in case. And you could tell it was, like, a, a typical, like, cabin-ish. But, like, maybe some older people own it and decorated it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um in the room I stayed in so my friend got there the night before us because it was her birthday so me and my other friend stayed in the room with her but that room that we stayed in had like a little like balcony looking thing on the top or like a little cutout like on the wall and there was stuffed animal bears everywhere and like a rocking chair horse on the ground like right where I was sleeping and I was like uh yeah I'm putting all of this in the closet and if something goes off in the middle of the night I'm I'm out of here. I'm getting in the Jeep and I'm going. I'm going down the mountain. <laughs> um, That's wicked creepy. Like, that's definitely some, like, next level creepy stuff happening for sure. Yeah. Like, and I it didn't, didn't have any yeah. of that, you know. There was yeah. no, like, creepy guy, like, walking down the hallway in the parking lot or anything. <laughs> Thank didn't... God. Jesus. Like, definitely <laughs> didn't have any of that that's great yeah i would yeah, yeah no norman bates no <laughs> no norman movie. bates no uh open vacancy no wait yes shut the front door brent seabrook retired <laughs> he did oh my god i was driving because of course i was and the little alert from espn came on and i just glanced at it and i was like oh <gasps> what Brent Seabrook retired like I mean we all knew that was happening he had like five major body surgeries in the last year and I don't think he could really skate to the potential that he wanted to I'm sure he can but not yeah you know Stanley Cup level but he retired I'm yeah. glad that he's okay I'm sad that he retired in the way he did but mm-hmm. my first thought selfishly was does this free up cap space yeah (laughs) which unfortunately i don't think it does but anyway that's yeah i don't think it does either i kind of shut the front door (gasps) i'm gonna take a play on this daryl sutter is now the head coach of the calgary flames yeah what and i was like this is actually pretty cool you know i was a fan of daryl sutter obviously he brought two cups but um i just think the guy's cool like he just doesn't have like he's just so straight faced. I think he's a good coach. I love his son Chris, um, and Daryl Sutter has a farm in Calgary, so it's like not that far. So like he stayed at home basically. Right? Remind everybody who he coached for previously, just in case. Uh, Daryl Sutter was the head coach of the Los Angeles Kings, and he was the one who brought two cups to Los Angeles. Well, in addition to the team, obviously. Right. But uh, but he led them, and that was awesome. And I think the guy is just, I don't even know the word to describe him other than like Squidward, obviously, because he just sits there, he's like, (laughs) 
but he's a he's a good coach i know there's some drama with him and some of the players didn't get along with him and whatnot but i think that just ultimately happens when you know everyone is in a competitive state um not everyone agrees to each other especially when there's a lot of testosterone going in the room Mm -hmm. (laughs) so i think uh but i'm really excited i they obviously lost their first game uh last night obviously we were recording this earlier but they report or lost their first game. I think that he coached. I didn't even get to watch it really, actually, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, super yeah. cool. But how really do you think odd he's gonna do? Yeah, like how do you think he's gonna do with the Flames? And he hasn't coached since leaving the Kings, right? Correct. Right. Yeah. Um, I think he's going to do well. I think. They I'm sorry, have he hasn't coached of... in the NHL. Right. Yeah. Yeah um i think he's gonna do well i think he has kind of the same dynamic that he had when he started with kings where you have a young group of guys with some veterans on there and i think that he really could uh i think he could do some some damage not damage isn't a bad thing but damage isn't a good thing uh i think he might have some issues with matthew kachuk maybe a little bit he's not too big on uh big personalities Mm -hmm. um I think Drew Doughty was a, a pretty big personality for him that he wasn't really able to, he, I don't know if he really necessarily liked it, but he did. Cause obviously Drew, you know, is Drew, but uh, yeah, I, I'm excited to see what happens. I actually might start watching all their games now. So I don't know. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's crazy that he's, he's come back and uh, hopefully he can do some good. I don't know much about Calgary's previous coach, or the firing situation, so I can't really comment on that. But uh, I do think it's funny that they fired the Calgary Flames coach. <laughs> Didn't think. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> that was good. Uh, that was thanks. good. Every everyone's been thinking that, so you you I'm, nailed I'm it. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, you nailed it. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> Welcome to my brain, everybody. Welcome to the house, Kevin Kurz. He is a staff writer for The Athletic, covering the San Jose Sharks. Kevin has worked in hockey his entire career with a start in public relations for the AHL's Philadelphia Phantoms, then joining the Philadelphia Flyers as a digital media manager. We talk about that as well. He moved to the Bay Area in 2011 to cover the Sharks for NBC Sports California, where he spent six seasons as the Sharks insider. And Kevin also frequently appears on the NHL Network as a contributor. Please enjoy our conversation with Kevin. Let's just jump into it. Uh, Tell everyone who you are and what you do. Yeah, uh, my name is Kevin Kurz. I've been covering the Sharks for this is my 10th season. Um, And prior to that, I worked in the Flyers organization in public relations for seven years. Um, So I kind of took an interesting path here. I I was in PR um, working directly for a team before I transitioned over to media. A lot of times you'll see the opposite happen. Um, So it, it was, again, a little bit of a different path. I never worked for a newspaper like a lot of beat writers have. Um, but I was at NBC Sports for six years, and now I've been at The Athletic for four. That's awesome. So how did you get to where you currently are and how you got to, to working for the Flyers? Well, yeah, I just, I interned there uh, uh, during college, um, and then, um, you know, somebody left, and I, and I started out as the, uh, actually the PR guy for their minor league team, um, 
which was a super fun job when you're 22 years old, riding the bus with a bunch of minor league hockey players going from town to town. Um, so, you know, formed a lot of close relationships and um, got some good stories out of, out of that time. Uh, so for two Pause. and a half years, Give us a quick good story. Give oh, us a good bus um, story yeah, or I, a I, funny AHL story. I don't, I don't know if I can tell anything specific, but it was just fun because... <laughs> You know, like the bus all, breaking know. down or like needing to take a limo or that like. It didn't happen one time. There was one time the bus was pulling into a hotel in Norfolk, Virginia, and the bus driver was trying to hop a curve because, or uh, a curb, I mean, to, to get uh, into the lobby and didn't see the overpass. And boom, the bus just hit the top of this overpass and just made the loudest noise. And so then the guys had to get to the game and there was no Uber then. So they had to call cabs to get to the game and then. Um, on the way back from Norfolk to Philly, the bus was started making this this whooshing noise. So we had to stop and we were pulled over on the side of the road for a couple hours and another bus had to come. We had to get on on one bus to off one bus to get on the other. And, you know, it's a six hour trip. Um, the worst trip I ever took in the miners was we had a sleeper bus from we went from, again, Norfolk, Virginia to Quebec City which was a 17 hour bus ride. Oh my God. Um, and I'm like low man on the totem pole. So I have like no room, you know, all the guys have sleeper bunks in the back. I'm I'm like in my little chair trying to sleep and I'm six foot three. I don't really fit that well in a bus to begin with. Um, <laughs> and I'll, I'll, I, I will always remember we stopped over at some little diner in Lake Placid, New York at like six in the morning to have breakfast midway through the trip and then had breakfast, got back on the bus and, went on ahead to Quebec City, which was, uh, you know, at least we we're going to Quebec City, a cool town after a 17 hour trip. That's insane. That's such a long time on a bus. Yeah. And yeah, like, imagine like, how, yeah, I was going to say, like, how do the players do it then? Like, have to get up and like skate their asses off, you know? Yeah. It's, and, and the players too, but it's, it's, it's the coaches, like the Sharks yeah. uh, minor league coach, Roy Sommer has, has the most AHL wins and games coached in the history of the league. So he's been taking these buses and it's a little different out here now that they're out West, they fly everywhere. Cause they are most, you know, they fly a lot of places, but back East it's all buses. It, it's driving, you know, all throughout New England, up and down uh, the East coast. Um, yeah. That's a lot of long trips. So um forget the players i feel bad for the coaches we've been doing it for 10 years <laughs> that's true players, you know you hope for the players are not doing it for more than one or two and probably builds character a little bit for not sure. to mention the players are probably like a bunch of monkeys and the coaches are like come on guys like settle down <laughs> yeah 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 i mean when i when i did it yeah I mean, you know at the same time though when you're a minor league hockey player it's it's you know you're supposed to go out with the boys and have a little bit of fun and and um so in that regard, it was, it was it, for me, you know, I was, I did that for two and a half years and it was just a great experience. So mm -hmm. worked from that. Then, then I went, uh, then I worked for the flyers directly um, in PR uh, before, like I said, kind of transitioning into media. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the, the relationship you have now with <clears throat> being a, a reporter, even though you're not, you know, specifically affiliated with the sharks, like you work is an independent, but you cover them. It's like, tell us how that works for people who are really unfamiliar with your work as a journalist of how, like, how do you build a relationship with the players? Like, how do you talk to them? Like, what are those conversations like? 
what is that like give us an inside look into the locker room or the lobby or over breakfast or wherever you are like tell us like how that works and how how you connect with them you know besides like the the scrum sort of like (laughs) just like throwing a mic in with everybody else like um it's more than that right yeah, it does take some time, especially, you know, coming out to San Jose, it was a little bit easier for me because it's not as big of a hockey market. So, you know, where the, a lot of times where the relationships are formed and, and where guys start to understand that you're, you know, really working your butt off is when you go on the road, right? Um, and that's usually the best time where you can have one-on-one with guys and and things seem a little bit looser. You know, a lot of times these guys are happy to be in Chicago. They're happy to be in Boston. And, and they're, so they're in a little bit better mood. You know, they're going out as a team together, um, either the night before the game or, or, or you know, jumping on the plane afterwards. It's, it's traveling with a hockey team is a unique experience. So, you know, for the beat writers, I think it's that it's, 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 it's obviously showing up every day and going in the room. Um, but you know, it's also when you're on the road and, and, and you have a little bit more one-on-one time with guys. And, you know, mo- most beat writers, after they've been doing this a while, they hate the, the scrums. They, and that's why Zoom sucks so bad because, you know, uh, you get on these Zoom calls post-game and it's just, you know, you can't really ask. A, a, you're not going to get an interesting answer unless it's, unless it's a unique player that is always honest, which those guys are a little bit fewer and far between now. Um, but, you know, after, after a while, um, you know, you start to form relationships with guys, but, you know, you're, you're not friends with them either. And I, I think, you know, in order to, to serve your audience and, 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 and serve your employer, you have to be honest about what's going on on the ice. And, you know, you could have a conversation with one guy for five or 10 minutes about life in general, the, about, you know, where, where he, what restaurant he went to dinner to last night, what, what, is, you know, what sports his kids are playing. But if he has a crappy game that night, you got you to write about it. And um, so, you know, I, I think a lot of guys do understand that that's part of the job. And as long as, you know, you're walking in the room the next day and you're not trying to, you know, you're not trying to dodge anybody and you're, you know, then you would hope there's a respect factor that, listen, this person is, I can have a conversation with him. I can be civil with him, but he's doing his job. I'm trying to do my job. And, um, you know, you, hopefully everybody understands that dynamic. It's, it's not always that smooth, but, um, most of the time now, I think, uh, I think most guys get it. Do you have a favorite story that you've been able to write on someone, or is there something that you look forward to writing about? Um, that's a good question. I don't know if I have a if I have a single favorite story. I mean, you know, I can think of stories I've done the last year. I actually just did a story that went up um, this morning about uh, Brent Burns. Yes, this is on my list of like I have to. We have to talk about Brent Burns being in Vikings. So go oh, for yeah. it. Did you watch the show? I didn't watch the show. I wasn't all that familiar with it. But he no, was, I haven't yeah. watched it. But I was like, now I'm going to go watch that show because of hockey players in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, and he looked like, uh, you know, he looked like a Viking for sure. So he was, uh, you know, I did that story where I talked to, I obviously talked, I had to Zoom with him for about 45 minutes. And I think we probably did that in late January. Um, and then I talked to an executive producer and I talked to another actor on the show. And um, I talked to the woman that sewed this long braid in the back of his head. And 
he went out to the pub. So, you know, Brent Burns is a good topic for I, I've Some of my favorite stories have been with him. And, you know, another one I did years ago was he lives on this ranch in the summertime and he harvests his own meat. So he, he has this thing called an axis deer, which he, he'll hunt in the summertime on his own property. And then he'll harvest the animal and then he'll have the meat throughout the course of the hockey season. So he'll bring in these hunks of meat that he raised and killed and harvested himself give them to the team chef and say, here, this is what I want for lunch. And the team chef will, will cook it up for them. Have you been That's to the awesome. ranch? No, I would love to do that. I would love to do that. I would, I'm going to have to maybe, I think he liked the story I did about today about Viking. So maybe I could convince him to let me come <laughs> there this summer. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's another, another layer, but, uh, what, tell us about the, his, what he said about his experience with, with the Vikings for people who haven't read your, your article. Yeah, he loved it. Um, you know, he had been trying to get on the show and, and unbeknownst to him at the time, the one of the executive producers of the show lived in Toronto and went to a Toronto Sharks game and saw him on the ice and thought, boy, this guy would be good for Vikings. So it was almost like, yeah, it was almost kind of meant to be um, that it that it worked out. So, um, you know, obviously it was a great experience for him. He loved it. And and uh, and so, you know, when a guy is that enthusiastic about some, you know, some experience he had, you know, hopefully I can get that to transfer in the story. That's like yeah. a true Hollywood story of like, they, like they found him at a diner. Like they saw Brent Burns <laughs> on the ice. And then two days later he's on set and he's never been on set. Like I love, yeah, people it love wasn't stories. Two days like later, it was a little bit of time, but uh, he got lucky because they were able to do it in early August, right before like he sort of ramps up his training for camp. Very cool. Jeez. He's probably so amped up after this. He's like, I'm going to go. I'm going to win the Norris this year now. <laughs> well, he did. So, so that was two and a half years ago. So that was, I think, 2018. He was a Norris finalist that year. I'd have to check. Yeah. He won in 2017. I think he was a finalist again in 2018. So, you know, he was at the he he was. Was prime of his career when he, when he did that. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. So what is a day in your life like pre-COVID and I guess during COVID too, I guess two different worlds. So, yeah, I mean, it's a big, I, I was, I would go to about 75% of the road games throughout the course of a season. So, um, you know, that gets to be a lot during the year. Um, I still love it. You know, some guys get worn out by it. I, I love it. I mean, that's probably partially because I'm single and don't have any kids. So, I don't have to, you know, I'm not, I'm not too concerned if I have to go away for a week. And frankly, I look forward to it a lot of the time. Um, so, you know, obviously that's come to a halt. All the travel has come to a halt um, for us just because there's really no value in going to a game and can't walk in the dressing room afterwards. You can't have those discussions that I talked about where you foster those relationships on the road because you're not seeing anyone. So, um, you know, typical day in the morning, go to the morning skate. Um, I, would, I would always try to look for a unique angle at the morning skate. Um, where I work at The Athletic, it's a little bit um, easier to come up with or dive into more interesting topics because I don't have to write a lot of the BS line combination injury stuff in the morning that no one was reading anyway. I can try to flesh out some other sort of story that I could you know, either write that night or later in the week or even a month later. So, you know, you go to the morning skate, that's, that's always a good time to, to get guys one-on-one because -on -one, um, there's usually fewer people there in the morning um you know then 
I usually have some time off in the afternoon to take care of whatever you have to take care of uh, personally, and then go back to the rink usually about five thirty, six o'clock. Um, and then, you know, depending on if I'm writing after the game, you're there till, you know, 12, 1230 some nights. Um, and then the next day, if the team's practicing at 11, you're back there at, you know, at the rink at 1045. So, um, you know, I, the way I explain to people is during the season, I'm usually working six days a week. And during the off season, I'm usually working two or three days a week. And by the end of the year, it all sort of balances out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, for real. Do you have a favorite arena or city to visit when you uh, go on road games? Uh, I love Chicago. I love Vancouver, Montreal. Um, Philly's my hometown, so I always like going back there. New York, um, Nashville, obviously. Everybody's like everybody likes Nashville. Um, it's you know the 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 unique part of covering hockey is maybe opposed to the other sports is that you're routinely going to another country, right? Mm. Um, you know the Pacific Division has three Canadian teams, so you're doing an Edmonton Calgary swing twice a year. You're going to Vancouver. You go through Montreal, Toronto. Um, at least once a year. So I think that makes it a little bit more unique that, that, you know, you have to cross the border so often. And I know there's a lot of similarities between Canada and the U S but there's still enough differences that it feels, um, you know, especially hockey in Canada, it feels a little bit special um, when you're there, especially in a place like Montreal. Right. Right. Oh yeah. Tell us, you mentioned Philly. So um, give us a little bit of a comparison, if you will, of the, just like the overall vibe of the organization and the city and the fans um, compared to where you are now with the, with the Sharks. Like what's yeah. the hockey culture like in Philly? And then what's that hockey culture like in San Jose? Yeah, the, it's, it's different um, for sure. Uh, you know, Philly's a little bit more of a blue collar gritty town. No, no pun intended. Um. Oh, I love gritty. Do you wait, do you like gritty? What's your thoughts on gritty? Yeah, he's okay. I know the guy that helped design him actually. And, and uh, yeah, it's uh Um can we but wait a second. Okay. Can you not tell me how amazing it was to see Gritty snowboarding? That was pretty slick, yeah. Snowboarding? <laughs> I've never seen a mascot in my entire life just ripping it down a mountain like yeah. in that yeah. costume. Like come on, it's like good it's just good entertainment. I'm a think. young kid in that costume too, I know. A young, uh, you know, I, I met him because they were out here for the All-Star game. I still have friends from when I worked there. And uh, I'm not surprised that he can do that. I mean, he's, he was like a former hockey player, definitely like an athlete inside yeah. of that costume, that much I know. Well, it's just so cool. Anyway, sorry, I digress. I, yeah, I, no, no, okay. I low-key love Gritty. I think he's really great for the for the league and the sport and bringing in you know, another generation and like the way they do their social media, I think is, is, is really wonderful. And it really fits what I think Philly is. I've, I've only been there for like 12 hours. So you, well, you'll have to allow enough, The Sharks were in Philly for the, for the Flyers home opener. I guess that would have been the start of 2019, 2020 season. So our first game or the Flyers first home game was against the Sharks. So I was there and Brittany came down from the rafters. Like that was his first game. And the fans weren't really into it at all. Right. Then. So like, I think they were still sort of, uh, you know, on the fence as to whether they thought it was a good idea. Um, I know some of the traditional fans were just dead set against it because, mm-hmm. in, you know, in Philly, it's a little bit more of a just hockey only town. They don't really want to any of the other sort of BS that, that goes along with, with mascots and whatnot. But I think it's worked out now. I think, I think it's uh think it's worked out so um it is but philly is different than than san jose it's a little bit more of a hardcore hockey town um 
the media atmosphere is different. Um, you know, and, and I, that's, you know, that, that was maybe a little bit of a struggle for me and still at times is I, I'm, I grew up reading the Philadelphia Inquirer and, and then I worked around all these other journalists covering the team. And, and that's how I was sort of, um, molded to be as a journalist. And, you know, maybe it's a little bit less common out here in, um, in California, especially when it comes to hockey, just because there aren't as many media people around and, um, but you know that's I, I don't apologize for that. It's just uh, that's just how it ended up. Definitely. Well, I want to dive into the team a little bit more. What was your take on losing Joe Thornton but gaining back Patrick Marlowe? Well, yeah, I was. You know, I Joe. It was time for him to leave. I think. You know, it was. I can remember back to, to the pre-trade deadline last season. I was the only writer on the road at the time. And I talked to him at Madison square garden and it was maybe a week before the deadline. And I said, would you be open to, to going to a contender? And frankly, I thought he was going to say, no, no, I want to stay. I'm a shark. I want to stay a shark forever. But, but he told me, yeah, I was tempted. I'm, I'm tempted to, to go to a contender. I want a Stanley cup and I'm like, Oh, okay. So, you know, that story made some headlines and then, um, just based on that, uh, I thought he was going to get traded and I know there were a lot of talks to move him. I know there were teams that maybe were mildly interested, not just not in, interested enough for a deal to happen. And again, coincidentally, we were in Philadelphia on trade deadline day and he didn't get traded. Um, I was told by someone maybe two hours later after the deadline that he was pretty disappointed about it. And, um, talked to him the next morning. And again, he went through, he's like, I, I want a Stanley cup. I've been chasing this thing for 21 years. I, I wanted a shot. You know, he basically said, I basically said, I wish I had gotten traded. So seeing that, you know, I cover this guy for a long time and seeing that on his face and, and just, cause he's, he's not, he's, he's usually pretty reserved when it comes to, to being in front of the camera and be, and going on the record with stuff. So I kind of had a feeling that he would, he would sign somewhere else. Um, I didn't know Toronto, um, but I figured he would sign with a contending team um, just because it was so obvious that he wants a chance to win a Stanley Cup. And, you know, the Sharks aren't very good this year, and I'm sure he saw that. He saw the writing on the wall. Um, and then when it comes to Marlowe, um, you know, it's a nice story. I think it's good to have him back because this team is in a transition a little bit. He's a total pro. He, he leads the way for these younger guys. Um you know, all they have to do is take a look at them to realize what it takes to stay in the league for, for two decades. And on top of that, you know, in what could be a pretty down season, um, as long as he stays in the lineup, he'll break the all-time games played record. So that'll be a nice moment. Wow. Insane. Who currently has that record? Cordy Howe. Yeah. Cordy Howe. He'll break the all-time all -time games played record. Um, I think it's – I think you want to say it's April 17th, but – so many games have been moved around. I'd have to double check that. Yeah. So what do you think the team needs uh, to get to have a better rest of the season, if you will? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, they're in a tough position just because they don't have any, you know, they, they don't really have any superstars up front. They don't have any Connor McDavid's or Nathan McKinnon's or Panarin's or, you know, you look at their, you look at their lineup. Um, especially their top six. And, you know, they don't have a guy that I would put in the top 25 best forwards in the NHL, right? So because of that, they've got to rely on their depth scoring. And, and that's been a little bit of an issue too, because, you know, they, because they've been go so good for so long, they don't have 
a whole bevy or a whole stock of blue chip prospects ready to come up and lead the way. So they're in rough shape right now. Just, I mean, bottom line, uh, their goaltending hasn't been very good um, for the last, you know, this is the third, really third straight season of that. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's, it's tough times, I would say right now. Now that said, they played their best game of the season last night um, against Colorado. They won six to two. Um, so they showed that they can kind of hang with the big boys, which I think was encouraging, but you know, that was one game. <laughs> um, I, I don't expect them to be a playoff team. I think they have too many issues to, to overcome in order for that, for them to stay in the race. But, um, you know, we'll see where it goes. It, it's, it's, it's an odd, it's an odd place for them to be in just because this team has been so good for so long. And, um, this is really the first year where they're just not really expected, I think, by anyone to make the playoffs. Go ahead, Bruce. Oh, my bad. I was muted. I think it's pretty, um, it's disappointing when a team kind of goes through that little rough patch. I know I've had my fair share of rough patches with some teams I've, uh, I follow, but uh, is there anybody maybe on the current roster or maybe down with the, the pair Barracuda that you're like, dang, this guy, he's, he's one to watch out for, or, this guy's going to be an all-star one day, whether he's on the Sharks or another team. Yeah, I would say, you know, Mario Ferraro is a defenseman right now who's worked his way up the lineup and, and he kind of came out of nowhere. Well, I don't want to say he came out of nowhere. He's a second round pick, but I don't think he was expected to make the team out of camp last year. And he made the team out of camp as a rookie, never played in the AHL. Um, you know, had his rookie up, rookie moments, his ups and downs uh, throughout last season. But uh, when he came to camp this year, he was ready to go. Uh, Bob Bugner just praised him from day one. Um, and he's just increased his role throughout uh, throughout the season here. Again, playing with Brent Burns, playing the top four, penalty killing. He's even seen some power play a little bit. And he's a guy that I think he, he, he has such good energy and he has such good practice habits that it's a little bit too early to give him a letter. But, you know, this guy has future future alternate captain and maybe even future captain written all over him, in my opinion. So, you know, he's been a bright spot. Um, and then, you know, the Barracuda, they don't have much, frankly, uh, again, just because the team hasn't had many top round picks or, or, or early round, early first round picks throughout the last few years, because they've been so consistently good. Um, so, you know, that's part of, I think the, 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 um, the pessimism of the fan base right now is, well, we don't really have a great farm system either right now. So what's 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 happening here? The current team isn't very good, and um, there aren't many prospects that are you know blue chip type prospects on the horizon. So um, you know we'll see. You know a lot of time those guys they can kind of come out of nowhere where there's a third, fourth, fifth round pick that can work his way up. We'll see if a guy can do that. Um, I think we need to let the AHL season play out a little bit longer to see if there's anybody like that in, in this organization. Definitely. And it's funny that you mentioned Mario because I feel like his name has consistently come up like across every single platform that I've seen. And um, I think he's doing a pretty good job on social media too. And from, yeah, he has his own YouTube page. Yeah. And from your point of view, like what does social media do for players? Like how big of an impact does that have? And, or, and also part two to the question is, why do players maybe not take advantage of their social media? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they have to be careful. I feel like hockey players are a little bit more reserved when it comes to the other athletes and the other sports, um, just because I think 
the, the culture of the sport is so team oriented that I don't think anybody wants to, to, you know, stand out amongst the crowd. Right. And, and, and some guys do, right. You know, Brent Burns is a guy that, um, you know, he likes doing the commercials obviously in the Vikings thing, like we talked about. And, um, you know, there's some other guys, maybe Evander Kane is, 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 is a little bit unique in that sense too. Um, but I, I think maybe that's changing with some of the younger players coming up, guys like Austin Matthews, who's maybe a little bit more into it. Um, but I, I think at the end of the day, most guys just just try try to try to blend in um, with their teammates. And that's not to say a guy like Mario Ferraro is is you know I'm sure everybody on the team, no one cares that he has a YouTube page and he's showing off all of his you know his gadgets and his tech stuff that he's into. Um, but you know, I, I do think just like I said, I think I think these guys are a little bit more just worried about um, how they're perceived within the team than, than how they might be uh, on the outside. Not everybody, but I would say the majority. Well, that's a perspective I hadn't thought about, uh, that they're more focused on the team and the coaches perception of who they are as opposed to the rest of the world, if you will, mm -hmm. or like thinking about how they could put themselves out on a social media platform to set themselves up for the future and create this brand and, and image and marketing. Um, that's an interesting insight. Um, would you say that there's any other fun facts or interesting things you've learned about any players in the league, like in any of the stories maybe that you've written um, in the past, but like how you were talking about like Burns has, um, you know, his, his exotic farm and all the, the animals and like fun, appropriate things to share, but like unique things that um, maybe not everybody knows that. Um, you know, Logan Couture is really into um, the, the uh, head injury stuff and trying to raise money for concussions. Um, and I know that's, that's really important to him. Um, I know he has an event every year back home in Toronto uh, to raise money for that. So, and, you know, he's a guy who's had a couple couple head injuries in his career. Um, boy, I'd have to think of some other guys here. Um, Paul Martin was like that too. Paul Martin had his charity. Um, he was a really, really good guy. I think everybody respected him. What about um, Jumbo Joe? Joe, yeah. I, I, know, I remember someone told me he, he, he was part owner of this bar downtown or this bar restaurant bar in Los Gatos, California, which is near San Jose. And I asked about it one day. He's like, nope, that's, you can't say it. that's a secret. So he wouldn't let me. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Joe, Joe is just one of those guys that I think, um, you know, everyone talks about how, and, and it's come out now a little bit in Toronto, how he makes up these nicknames for these guys that they don't know where he gets them from, but he just sort of pulls them out of his butt. Whatever, you know, so William Nylander was like slick Willie or something like that. I saw today. And, and I was, and I know in the sharks room, he had a bunch of nicknames for guys that, you know, no one could figure out how we came up with, with these nicknames, <laughs> but that's just who he is. You know, he was one of those guys that, 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 that really brought a team was, was kind of a glue guy. And, you know, as, as well as being one of the best players in the league for such a long time. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. I love, I love it. Did he give you a nickname? <laughs> no, no, no. He was, they just, I get called Kersey from, for whatever reason. I don't, I think that might be from when I was on TV. That's what the host would call me, but no, no nicknames for me. Well, yeah, you've got to have a hockey name. Like that's a hot, that's what I like, guess hockey so, players yeah. call it. Like you're crazy. Like, yeah, of course. So, like, yeah. 
you know, <laughs> unless you have like. They probably have a couple names for me that I don't know about. <laughs> <laughs> no, so give yourself a little more credit. <laughs> yeah. Like when you go into a locker room looking like f when you're obviously you're like looking for a story, but you're not you can't always just you don't always know what that story is until you uncover it. Do you do you find that there are certain stories you prefer to write like something about like um a charity or a pa passion project of a player or um you know like the burns story or is there um yeah. something else i'm missing that you you really enjoy like you digging know what? into I, I enjoy the day-to-day -day hockey coverage honestly more than anything and 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 i like veering towards the off-ice stuff excuse mm -hmm. me every once in a while um but, but I, I do try to stick to mostly, mostly the hockey stuff. Um, yeah. You know, like for example, last, last season, Mark Edward Vlasic played in his thousandth game. And whenever a guy hits a milestone like that, you try to do something a little bit, um, you know, try to blow it out a little bit. Um, you know, and I did a story about how it was, he came up out of nowhere and he had this great rookie year and no one knew who he was before he got to camp really. And, and then he ended up being one of the most important players on a very good team that year. And I went back and talked to old teammates, old coaches of his, and and I was happy with the story, the way the story came out. So, um, I do like I do like focusing on the hockey stuff more more than more than anything. And now that said, I'm glad I don't have to like I mentioned before. I'm glad you know with with my website, I'm glad I don't have to go to a morning skate and write about you know a fourth line winger who's coming off of a thumb injury or whatever. Like our our site doesn't do that because most people don't care about that. We don't care about clicks and page views. Um, so it does give me a little bit more time to sort of dig in and um, find the more unique hockey angles um, that I think people are interested in. Yeah, because we've talked about this on the on the podcast and with different guests in in the hockey world of how um, we think there, or at least I think Breezy agrees with me, but we think there's a little bit more of a need to get to know some of the players off ice, but like not to the extreme of like being on a, keeping up with the Kardashians, get to know them, you know, like have a little bit more of the, the social media presence of just like, you know, Austin Matthews showing his fashion air quotes. Um, and oh, no. you know, <laughs> I won't go on a tangent on about Austin Matthews fashion, but um, <laughs> there's with the way of the, like the next generation of fans coming in, I think there's a level of a, some expectation with social media and having accessibility to so many people um, that I, I worry that that's going to affect fans in the future. Um, not that every player has to be on social media or anything, but mm -hmm. do you think there will be some sort of shift or, or blending of the like team first mentality along with the like keeping up with the times and the new fan base coming in? Um, I don't know. I guess social media is so important these days that, that, you know, I think I see that more from the team side where, mm -hmm. you know, when I was in Philly, I was, I was running digital media, the digital media stuff, and I was writing everything and we were doing, then we got into video, then Twitter came along and it was like a two person operation. Now you see these teams and they have yeah. six, seven, eight person digital media departments because that's become you know, when I started out on PR, it was PR was up here and digital media was up here. And now it's now it's basically the opposite, like the, di the digital media and, and, and running the social media accounts and the website is so much more important than 
than a PR staff is, uh, frankly, to me, just because they're, you know, they put the stuff out that the majority of fans see. And, and you know, when they screw up, <laughs> that's, you, you know, then it makes headlines, right? So you got to be careful with that too. But, um, you know, I think teams are real heavily invested in that now and, and that should help. I would, I would think it, it you know, bring the younger fans along, but, you know, the ticket prices are an issue too. I, I hate, I, I cringe every time I see teams raise ticket prices and around here, the sharks, have, you know, in a normal year, almost all of their games are seven 30 at night, even on Saturdays and Sundays. I'm like, why aren't you guys playing more one o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock games where you can bring in families um, and you know, kids. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and their response is, well, the minor league team is here too, but I mean, that's not the same. I think you got to bring, if you want to build fans, you bring them to the big, you know, the big event when it's sold out. So. Yeah. Never thought about that before about moving games up to, to get more fans in the seats. Yeah. I, just well, know that I know that they don't like doing that and you're going to laugh, but the reason in Philadelphia was because the beer sales were less. <laughs> I mean, that's true. Yeah. There's nobody crowding around the bar for, you know, I mean, there are, but there's fewer people crowding around the bar in the arena at, uh, at 12 noon than there would be at 630. So. Well, after COVID, I don't think I don't anyone's going to have a problem with uh, beer sales. So. No, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully they get people back in here by next season. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. So I think that's pretty much starting to wrap it up. I think yeah. I have one more question um, before we get to our final three. But what would you say is the favorite, your favorite part about your job? Um, you know, I do like the travel aspect of it. And that's what I miss the most right now. I, I like, and, and it's not, it's not even the fact that you get to get, you know, I have friends in all these different cities now because I've been doing this for a while, um, whether it's, you know, college friends or high school friends or people that I, that I get to keep in touch with because I get to travel city city and, you know, go to all these great restaurants and <laughs> expense them, which is nice. But um, it, it's just that it's more so the fact that, that in the sport, um, there's just so many good people, whether it's, you know, whether it's players you had a relationship with before or fellow media people, writers, broadcasters, um, you know, it's, it, it really is a good sport in terms of, of the people that work in it. So, um, you know, I do miss seeing a lot of these people, whether it's, you know, my friend in Minnesota who covers the wild or, you know, the Flyers radio guy who I've known for years. And just the fact that, that I guess that's just like society too now, right? Everybody misses seeing, seeing everybody else in person. Um, and it's not the same on Zoom. No, it's not. But, but even in a normal year, you know, that, that, that's my favorite part is just getting to see people that, that you don't get to see very often and, and ha you know, have lunch with a work colleague that you respect um, or have, you know, have a beer with him, after, him or her after the game, right? Want to take it away, Ray? Sure. We'll do the final three. We ask all of our guests, no matter who they are, these three questions. Uh, who is your favorite hockey hunk? Oh, jeez. <laughs> Everybody's okay. gone on the record with something. Um. Well, let's see. That's a big guy. You know who I really liked when he was here? I'm going to say Brendan Dillon. Ooh. Yeah. Good. Solid choice. Yeah. And who yeah, is your? Some, when you ahead. say hunk, do you mean he's like good looking or or very uh, good on the ice? Whatever your definition of a hunk is. My female friends were uh, were kind of liked him. I think he was a little bit of a fan favorite that way. But he was just a genuinely good guy off the ice. You know, he was someone that I'd walk in the dressing room and talk to about life in general, and um, 
And he was, you know, I, I, one of my favorite parts of the job is watching guys that maybe are borderline AHL, NHL guys and just progress throughout the course of their careers. And he came, he came to San Jose from Dallas and, um, you know, everybody thought he was okay. Right. But not necessarily a guy that was going to really stake a claim for a job, but he got better and better every year. And, you know, now he's playing uh, in the top four for a Stanley cup contending team in Washington. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Who is your favorite hockey lady? Um, you know, who's been a really good friend of mine for a long time, Tracy Myers in Chicago. She covers the Blackhawks for NHL.com. Um, her and I overlapped at NBC. She was covering the Blackhawks for Comcast Sportsnet when I was covering the Sharks. So, um, you know, whenever there were drafts or events, a lot of this of us Comcast Sportsnet writers would get together, you know, before they laid everybody off. <laughs> and uh, she's become a good friend of mine and, and she's someone who's great at her job. And, um, and uh, yeah. And the first one that comes to mind, yeah. And do you have a Sidney Crosby story? Uh, yes. So I want, actually, I have two. Actually, I have a couple. Oh. I, have, I have a really good one, actually. Um, I was, it, this was the, when the draft was in Los Angeles. I feel like that was in 20, might have been, was it in Los Angeles? Sidney Crosby was, hadn't been around that long uh, with the Penguins, but. Yeah, it was in Los Angeles. So I think that was, I think that was in 2010. Um, the Flyers staff and the Penguin staff were staying at the same hotel. And, you know, most players don't go to the draft, but Crosby was there for whatever reason with, with the Penguins people. And for the Flyers, Bobby Clark was there. Um, he was still the GM. At, I think he was still the GM at the time. If he wasn't the GM, he was still in the front office. And uh, I'll never forget seeing uh, Sidney Crosby and Bobby Clark sitting down. I'm not sure they knew each other before this, but they started chatting at the bar. And next thing you know, they were sitting down together, chatting for like an hour. And everybody else, you know, I was with some other coworkers, like, boy, I would love to hear the conversation right now that Sid and Bobby Clark are, have been having for the last, you know, 30, 45 minutes. Yeah, we've had all, all good stories, just so you know. Um of Sidney Crosby. Yeah, I, you know, as a fly, when I worked for the Flyers, I couldn't stand the guy. I thought of he was course. a cleaner, a diver, and, you know, like, like a lot of people did when he was first coming up. And, um, but now in media, like you walk into the room and, and he knows that everybody wants to talk to him. And, and he, to me, he's always been so respectful of, of, uh, of the media and appreciates that, you know, sometimes a visiting writer's there that never gets to talk to him or see him, but he'll, you know, he'll sit there and answer your question from what I can tell nine times out of 10. So, um, you know, you have to respect guys that do that. Absolutely. Well, big fan of uh, anyone who takes the time, just like you. Thank you so much for taking the time uh, to chat with us and tell, uh, tell our listeners where they can follow you. Uh, I'm Twitter at uh, Kate Kerr's NHL and then uh, the athletic, um, which I think, uh, you know, I think most hockey fans know where we are at this point. Yeah, I think so. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Sure. You got it. Thanks for having me. Uh, we're going to follow up this episode. We've never done a follow-up episode, I guess. Like, um, a, like a postscript, if you will. Post, yeah. Our post-show recap. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. It's not even really a recap. Maybe. Kind of. Well, all I've got to say is Kevin said a few things in this this episode, and we thought that maybe we should comment uh, comment on them. 
and just for fun, I guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think yeah. we should. I wanted, I think the, um, stuff about Joe Thornton giving really weird nicknames to players yeah. that had like zero contacts that nobody understood <laughs> except Joe Thornton, I thought was very Joe Thornton. <laughs> but yeah. What kind of nickname would you give me? Like if you were Joe Thornton, what, what do you think he would nickname me? Man, that's hard. I feel like, I mean, you're already the hockey lady, so. But it's gotta be like super known. off the wall. That makes no sense. Super off the wall. That makes no sense. Hmm. Well, this one kind of makes sense. You go by Ray Ray. Mm -hmm. Would you be the Ray of Sunshine? <laughs> sunshine. Sunshine. You'd just be Sunshine. Sunshine. Have you seen yeah. Remember the Titans? No. Oh, there's a great <laughs> scene in there where they nicknamed the guy from California Sunshine. <laughs> sunshine. Well, there you go. Maybe you'd be Sunshine. I think you would be Spice spice or like oregano or something you know like something <laughs> super random because you like to cook right but like yeah or like paprika is that paprika pap paprika yeah mm. i like paprika. oregano 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 hey, hey oregano oregano and sunshine now coming to you from the house of hockey podcast oregano and sunshine all right i'll go for it why not <laughs> that should be the name of like a Twitch channel or something. <laughs> Sunshine and oregano. <laughs> That's actually kind of cool. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of like it actually. So Brent Burns, <laughs> he, well, how did he word it? He farms his own meat. Yeah. Is that what he said? He, yeah. 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 I so would you right. eat, would you eat meat from Brent Burns's farm or yeah. that he has, Butchered whatever it is butchered yeah and, yeah and raised and yeah yeah meat he's raised yeah that's kind of <laughs> yeah right of course of course yeah. i would eat anything that brent burns gave me from his farm yeah yeah I would too yeah i would know that those animals were probably getting fed the best animal feed out there because yeah. brent burns can afford it and they're probably really well taken care of and yeah. if he knows how to cook, which that I don't know, and I haven't heard any proof of, but as long as he knows how to cook meat, you know what? You know what? I've changed my mind. I would eat Brent Burns's farm-raised animal meat if Breezy barbecued it. <laughs> I like that. I would do that. Because I would Breezy easily. is a really good barbecuer. Of all the things. Would you eat Brent yeah. Burns's uh, cooking and of uh, farm animals? I would. You know, I'm not one for, I know this is probably bad to say since I love eating, you know, meat, but I don't think I could ever physically harm an animal. So I don't know if I could be the one to do it, but if he were to do that, I would definitely cook it. I've seen, I do believe that he smokes a lot of his stuff. I think he did a series or something. I don't know. Maybe it was just like a a little segment he might have done for the Sharks or for the NHL Network. Or I think I remember seeing him do something like that. Um, I don't think I would eat it if he seasoned it with only oregano. No. Because <laughs> <laughs> that sounds terrible. No, you, I don't but, think you uh, put oregano on meat. 
maybe no, a little on so. chicken if you're doing like an Italian <laughs> style chicken, but yeah. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and say yes to that, Sunshine. Thanks for coming over to our House of Hockey podcast and hanging out with us. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. And in the meantime, you can follow us on social media. Just look for House of Hockey podcast. We'll be back next week.